Right, so we just finished up our Undivided series on racial reconciliation in our church. That's produced by the North American Mission Board and led by pastors J.D. Greer and Dahari Lewis. We're going to take some time today and work through just a bit of what we've learned in these sessions. I'm going to start with Revelation 7, um, a passage they've referred to multiple times in this series. It's where the Apostle John speaks about his heavenly vision. And uh, again, we know um, all scripture is important, of course, but John and Revelation pointing us towards this heavenly vision of God's ultimate desire, where he's leading human history, his kingdom. Um, but in verse 9, listen, listen to his heavenly vision. In verse 9 of chapter 7 of the book of Revelation, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. We know who the Lamb is. Now, these people are clothed in white robes, so the people from every tribe and nation and tongue, these are clo they're clothed in white robes. We know why their robes are, are white. They've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. They have palm branches in their hands. And in verse 10, they are crying out with a loud voice. Listen to their, um, the, where they're united. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Now, with Revelation 7 in mind, we can see it's God's desire that people from every nation, tribe, and language become a part of his family um, and declare his praise. We know that's the goal of heaven. We know that's the goal of heaven coming to earth. But we also know that God is at work presently to do that, to bring to himself um, those from every tribe and every nation, even bringing into the same family together. From 2011 to about 2016, I served as pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in Irving, Texas. It's a suburb of Dallas. Um, I loved it there. This was the time of my going to seminary. I worked at UPS. I love the church. I love them today. Initially, when we first came, we were a small country church and in the middle of a neighborhood of probably within a mile radius, about 17,000 people, um, where 80% were Hispanic, 30% probably undocumented, meaning these are first-generation um, adults who spoke Spanish only, um, and we seemed out of place. Um, and it's really by the grace of God, our small fellowship, again, kind of less than 10 beginning there, um, we saw the need to partner with another small church, a Spanish-speaking pastor and congregation, and to work together to provide programs and services both in English and in Spanish. We shared facilities. We alternated our small group times and our service times so that when Sunday school was taking place in English, there was a worship service taking place in Spanish. Uh, then we would switch. But we also worked to join our ministries at certain points. Every fifth Sunday, we joined together for a time of worship. And then afterwards, a time of a fellowship in the service time, the, the songs and the preaching were in English and in Spanish, and afterwards, again, we, we joined together for fellowship. Um, not only that, but also just on a weekly basis, oftentimes like on Wednesday nights, our children and our youth um, from both congregations met together. Um, we, we found something that is, that is common, um, and that is with uh, maybe those adults who spoke Spanish only, their children, whether they be in high school or middle school or elementary school, spoke English. And so at some points in our ministry, we were able to simply combine, long story short, 
Eventually, the pastor of the Spanish congregation took over as pastor, and today he, he shepherds a multicultural, multi-ethnic church um, that is that is larger than when we first started, and it makes more sense in the neighborhood uh, today than it did a few years ago. I say all that to say this. Our, our family spent six years in this context, and I believe the Lord used this in our life to give us an appreciation for diversity within ministry. When it was clear that the Lord was moving us from Calvary of Irving, uh, one of the things that I knew that I wanted in ministry and in, in my life and in my family's life is diversity. Um, and it just so happened that a church back home um, was looking for a pastor, and I knew what to expect in Lawton. Uh, one of the best things about Lawton is its diversity. And and me and my family, we made the move to Calvary of Lawton uh, with this in mind, that we have the opportunity to be in a diverse town um, and to be a part, again, of a multicultural, multi-ethnic uh, ministry. I've served here at Calvary um, in Lawton for about four years now, so together that puts me at about 10 years of ministry, and I, I hear this is a common thing, that after about 10 years of ministry, especially in small church context, things begin to weigh on you. And so the last couple of years have been a little bit of a challenge, um, last few months especially. Um, just think in our time, currently just how incredibly divisive everything has become so politics trump or biden right you're going to have you're going to have people family members church members angry at people's stances on 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 that i know that's always a thing but trump biden right uh, what about mask or no mask is that an issue again you you might lose a friend over your opinion on masks um what about do we stand for injustice or do we stand for law and order? Um, not that you can't stand for both, but this is one of those things that, again, it is incredibly now divisive in our time. So politics, right, uh, COVID, issues of inequality, um, I do not recall um, a more divisive time in the years of my ministry. Um, a couple books that I found helpful um, recently is a book entitled The Lamb's Agenda by Samuel Rodriguez and a book entitled Compassion and Conviction by uh, The And Campaign. In this Undivided series, we've been reminded that the church needs to reflect the diversity of the community. Um, it's, what I've, it's one of the reasons I point back to um, Calvary Baptist of Irving. Um, and we, 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 by the grace of God, we made that transition to make sense in our neighborhood. But not only does the church need to reflect the diversity of the community, but we also learn in this series that the church also needs to proclaim the diversity of the kingdom, right? Revelation 7. Um, this is God's design, and it's important to him that we not only reflect the diversity within our community, but we proclaim the diversity of the kingdom, that God is calling people from every tribe and every nation to be his and to belong to the same family. Our vision statement that we cover just a bit on Sunday, it's a vision statement that is a, a work in progress. Um, is simply to shine as a diverse community, multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-generational. This is God's design, united in Christ with his, in his desire and his power for us to love and serve each other, and united with Christ in his desire and power for us to join in his mission to reach all people, serving and working together to meet the needs of others. All of this as a response to God's grace. I've mentioned this uh, statement has too many words in it, and uh, it is something that will work to kind of bring into more clarity and simplicity, but all of these 
All of these words are important because they remind us what the desire of our king is. We're joined to him. We're part of his family. He has a desire and he's enabling us to accomplish his desire. And it's important to be reminded in these days that his kingdom is a diverse community. It's a diverse community. We are united with him in his desire and power for us to love and serve each other and united with him in his desire and power for us to reach all people working together, gifted as he's given us. He's made us to be diverse, but he's called us to unity in his body to accomplish what he desires to accomplish through us. As the church, it should be our passion. It should be our burden to not only care about matters of diversity, but even to grow in diversity. The Bible's not silent about issues of race and reconciliation. This is something that in our time, especially among oftentimes majority culture churches, we often try to shy away from or act like the Bible does not speak to these things. That is simply not true. We've seen that in this series. We've been reminded about it on Sunday mornings. The Gospels show us how Jesus is intentionally bringing a family together. It's made up of people who would oftentimes not be joining together. It starts with his disciples. Of course, they are all ethnically Jews. But in Luke's Gospel on Sunday mornings, we're seeing that Jesus' mission, even in Luke's Gospel, is showing us that his ministry is going to extend beyond the Jews to the Gentiles. The book of Acts shows us how the gospel spreads to all nations. We have coming together people from all different tribes, different social classes. The book of Romans and Galatians and Ephesians as well as others show us how God's people coming together from different backgrounds, different seasons in life, how they are working together to be united in Christ as part of the same family. Um, the Bible's not silent about the issues of race and reconciliation. Um, it is one of the dominant themes in the scriptures. Um, again, God is, this is his plan. This is his agenda to bring a family together consisting of all people, all different backgrounds. In Galatians 6, 2, this is a reason, again, it matters to us um, to understand where people are coming from. Galatians 6, 2 says this, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It's hard to bear those burdens if we are not aware of those burdens. The Undivided series hit on kind of four stages that we work through. Um, first, ignorance, then awareness, then intentionality, and then community. Uh, so first of all, we'll touch on ignorance. Unfortunately, this is where most of us who are part of the majority culture um, remain for some time. It's, it's just honestly hard to see things from the perspective of others. This is kind of just a general problem with um, the, the human condition. Um, if you look at our history, um, again, I've mentioned sometime in past that my undergrad is in history. And without a doubt, when you look at American history, we have anything but a perfect history. Um, I've mentioned this before, but there's no era that any minority culture wants to return to. Again, I know we have statements like Make America Great Again and um, all things that try to call us back to a a former time when we evidently were spiritually or united as a people. 
Um, and that might work if you're a part of the majority culture, um, but if, if you are a part of the minority culture, there's, there's, no, there's no time in, in our history that you want to return to. If you look at our history, we're aware of slavery, we're aware of the Jim Crow laws that follow that, we're aware of the unjust economic practices that um, follow that, and the way in which those past injustices today affect our current reality. Uh, you don't have to do a lot of research to see that even within the 70s or the 80s or the 90s, um, even to today, that things are not weighed evenly. And it's contributed to an imbalance in our justice system, in education, uh, in economic opportunities, um, in our society on many levels. And so this matters to us because these things matter to God. Proverbs 11.1 1 says this, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. And while we can look at the problems within our society today, and it's hard to throw out just a simple statement uh, to sum things up, but a, a, a verse has come to my mind recently just with all that we have going on. It doesn't point blame. It doesn't exonerate anyone. It's just a reminder. Numbers 32, 23 um, says this, to be sure your sin will find you out. And I just think of America's history. I just see the problems before us today, and I see them as repercussions of sins of the past. That brings us to one of the things that we've seen in this Undivided series, and that is that we have been reminded that we're, we've been born into a society where the sins of the past have shaped the current reality and contribute to privileges concerning certain groups and disadvantages concerning other groups. We need to at least understand there's, there's different perspectives on these matters because there's different vantage points. If you're a part of the majority culture, we've seen in this series that it's, it's likely that you see things a certain way. If you're a part of the minority culture, it's likely you see things another way. It can even be as simple as this, like if you're, we learned this from the videos, if you're part of the majority culture, it's likely that you do not talk about race often. It might be a little different over the past few months. Uh, but, but likely, if you're part of the majority culture, race is not something that you talk about often. However, if you're part of the minority culture, um, that is likely something you talk about with great frequency. And here's why we're talking about this today. For us as Christians to be indifferent to the struggle of others, that's a sin. When we don't care to see from someone else's vantage point, I would su suggest that's, that's also not helpful. And one other thing I'd like to say about ignorance uh, before we move on to awareness. This was mentioned in the series, and again, I, I just I say this to be, to be um, just mindful of these things. Uh, during the series, it was mentioned some do not have the privilege to be ignorant. And if, if these do not seem like important issues for us, it is, again, likely because we're a part of the majority culture. And being part of the majority culture, we have the option uh, to be ignorant about these issues or to be indifferent about them. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So moving now to the topic of awareness, um, though basic as this might seem, it's just really good to be reminded in this series and in this time that as Christians we should have a genuine concern for other people. Um, we should strive to be aware of the fact that people have different histories and different experiences that that are important and they contribute to how people make sense of their world just as we make sense of our world. Um, we should have an appreciation for different cultures, uh, 
Um, we sin when we want everyone to just assimilate and to be like us. That is, that is not what God desires. In heaven, we see people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. As Christians, we need to have a teachable spirit. James 1 says this, James 1, 19, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Um, it's, it was said during the series that we should really seek to understand before trying to be understood. It's what I see so often right now. Um, everyone wanting to make the world understand their point of view when James reminds us that we ought to be those who are quick to hear and slow to speak, and slow to anger, being reminded that the anger of man, it's just the anger of the flesh, not righteous indignation or righteous anger, but just that fleshly stuff does not produce the righteousness of God. And just another reminder of why God wants us to work together from different backgrounds, different perspectives. It was mentioned in the series, again, that uh, within the disciples, people were brought together. They, they were, of course, uh, they were, of course, Jews, but came from very different backgrounds. So you had in the disciples, you have Simon the Zealot, and then you have Matthew the tax collector. If you, if you know how those things work out in the New Testament, you know that those people do not have the same opinions in regards to what to do about Rome's occupation. Right? Matthew, the tax collector, has the idea you just, you just do what you need to do to get along. Uh, Simon the Zealot believes you should overthrow the government. I mean, this is worse than having a Trump supporter and a Biden supporter on the same team working closely together. The disciples had to be made aware of their prejudices. Jesus, he brought his disciples together, the early church together. Um, they had to grow an understanding of how they could work in unity and where their presuppositions were wrong. Um, once we're aware of our ignorance, right, once we're aware of our apathy, we're called to do the same thing that the disciples did, that the early church did, that you and I as Christians are to be constantly doing, and that is to repent. In the series, they remind us that the Christian life is marked with repentance. Um, when we see that we're playing into systems that just continue to perpetuate this injustice or inequality, uh, we are called to repent. And we repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That is, we're a part of God's kingdom. We care about his heart. In his heart is righteousness and justice. We ask God to help us see things the way he sees things. We think of Matthew 5 through 7, the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, where we get his kingdom principles and see how things are supposed to look. When we see that we're not in line with that, we lament. In the series, they say that we, we lament the past sins and the structures of the injustices that has created the current structures or the stereotypes. Uh, we've moved from ignorance to awareness, but now how do we move from awareness, just knowing about these things, to intentionality? That's our next stop. And intentionality, this is where we move from just being aware of something to steps that we're going to take to, to be in line with God, his heart, and his kingdom. It was mentioned in the series that... Um, at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings is the most segregated hour in America. Um, hopefully this will not be the case for Calvary. And we intentionally are going to work towards shining as a diverse community. Um, in the series, it was, it was mentioned in intentionality that, that we have to intentionally 
work to reflect on our current context, whether that's the context of our church or our community or our society, what's taking place or within our history. We reflect on these things. It's important to do. We empathize with others, not not demonize, but we empathize with them. And then we pursue reconciliation. And we have to be intentionally um, reflecting, empathizing, pursuing. As a church, we have to decide this is our problem. Um, it was mentioned in the series that this is, you know, a problem is not a problem until it's your problem. And church, this is our problem. We're called to reflect the diversity within our community, and we're called to proclaim the diversity of the kingdom. All of these matters matter because they matter to God. In his heart, it's righteousness and justice, right? He cares that the scales are not unjust. Now, concluding with gospel community, we've we've touched on ignorance, we've moved to awareness, we've then moved to intentionality, and now to community or gospel community. Again, just reminded of the the command from the Lord to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Um, we've seen in this series that proximity breeds empathy. That is when we are close to those, when we understand that the problems of others are our problems because we are connected to them, either through our church, through our ministry, through our family, or simply the fact that we are members of God's kingdom and God cares so that we should care. Um, we understand that we, the church, we are called to this. And it's so uh, disheartening to look back within our history and see how many times the church did not have it right on these issues. I've been reading through the prophets recently, uh, just in my personal study. And in the prophets, you see very clearly the heart of God. You see, in his heart, you see righteousness, you see justice. I know in these um, in these times, often when we talk about these issues of inequality and injustice, um, they are not received the way that um, the discussion is received when we're talking about the life of the unborn. But I assure you, and I would encourage you to read through the work of the prophets, um, you will see God cares about these matters. He cares about the plight of the marginalized, the people who are part of the minority culture. And his spirit is at work to remove ignorance from his people, to bring about awareness, to instruct them towards intentionality and, and community. And in the same way that the Spirit of God was at work then, he is at work now. We know, as we've mentioned, that this, this matter concerns the Lord because in his heart is righteousness and justice. We know it is the high priestly prayer of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we would be one. In John 17, his Spirit is working in this direction, and we are striving as a community, his community, to shine as this diverse community, multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-generational. This is, again, by God's design. We are united in Christ. This is his desire for us to love and serve each other. It's his power that enables us to do so. We are united with Christ in his desire to reach all people. That is his desire. And not only that, but it is his empowering for us to join with him in that mission of reaching people of other ethnicities and cultures and languages. And we do this together. We do this together, united. We are his body meeting the needs of others. And all of this, again, is a response to his grace. These are the kingdom values because in his heart is righteousness and justice. Revelation 7, 
says this, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude, no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Thank you.